seconds left. Hardy with six. Hardy on Brown. Hardy with three. With two. Hardy reverse slam is gone. 1.2 left. St. John's 12 with 14 from the field in this second half. Hans again. Also in the ball game. Champagne, you're kidding me! Another three for Julian Champagne. You are now listening to the Eye of the Storm podcast. What's going on, Johnny Nation? Welcome to episode 64 of the Eye of the Storm podcast. My name is David Barov, and it may be October 21st, but it sure as hell felt like late February, or dare I say March, in Queens this afternoon. At Media Day this past Tuesday, Rick Patino said that the Rutgers exhibition game was going to be his first measuring stick for this team, and he's definitely going to have plenty of information to sift over. It was a charity exhibition benefiting pediatric cancer research on behalf of the V Foundation and Dick Vitale, and St. John's would be playing that game without Jordan Dingle, RJ Luis, and Cruz Davis. Dingle was out with a minor shoulder injury. We were told that if this was a regular game, he would play. Luis and Davis have broken left hands. They hope to be back for the Charleston Classic, according to Rick Patino. And in the second half, it certainly seemed that St. John's would be feeling their absence. After being ahead by as many as 20 points in this game and holding a lead by 18 at halftime, St. John's looked like a completely different team in the second half. In the end, it was a win for St. John's 89-78, but it took double overtime, and my, what a roller coaster it was getting there. So let me preface everything with saying that, yes, this was an exhibition game, and I'm not going to make any grandiose statements, and I'm not going to tell you to book your Sweet 16 tickets or Final Four tickets, but I certainly understand what Coach Patino said after the game. He was happy that the game went this way because he learned a lot from it. If this game ended in a 25 or 30 point blowout like it was trending at halftime, you likely don't get to see a lot of Glenn Taylor and you don't get to see him prove how much he can offer this team and how much he can make plays when it matters most, like scoring all those buckets in that double OT to seal the win. And you likely don't get to see Naheem Aline show that he had the stones or the intestinal fortitude to borrow a phrase from the WWF days to follow up a missed three with the game on the line with another three with a guy flying at him to send the game into double OT with 0.01 on the clock. There was plenty that St. John's and this coaching staff and these players learned about themselves, about this team on Saturday afternoon, good and bad. So we see a starting lineup of Danis Jenkins, Naheem Aline, Glenn Taylor Jr., Chris Ledlam and Joel Soriano. The game starts and right away you see the tenacious Rick Patino press defense reveal itself. Right away. We've heard about it forever. You've seen it on Louisville. You've seen it on Kentucky. You've seen it wherever he has been. And St. John's gets out to an early 13-6 lead off the strength of forcing early turnovers with the press and trap. Listen, I don't know about you, but we just came off of 40 minutes of hell not working for four years. This was a really nice welcome sight. The defense overall in the first half held Rutgers 0 of 11 from deep. Danis Jenkins was the clear leader on the floor. You saw 
saw the age, the poise. You saw a guy that was comfortable in a Rick Pitino-led offense. He was the prototypical floor general, smooth, going up and down the court. He was pacing everything effortlessly. Somebody get a ticker ready and start counting the amount of alley-oops Danis Jenkins is going to be throwing to Joel Soriano because they are going to be plentiful. There were four today, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty more. St. John's was doing a really nice job in the first half of letting their defense lead to offense. Simeon Wilcher timed to block perfectly, which set up a Danis Jenkins three to put St. John's ahead 27 to 17. Chris Ledlam hit a three. Wilcher hit a three. Elaine had seven in the first half to go with Jenkins' 10. And you saw how this was an 18-point lead at halftime for St. John's, who led 41-23. What were the biggest takeaways that I saw right away for St. John's, I really noticed Rick Patino and his coaching. Every single play, he was doing something. He was coaching up a player, telling them where to go if they were out of position, where they needed to rotate. It was constant, whether it was guys on the floor or he would turn around and talk to the guys on the bench and show them examples of what guys are doing on the floor. There was legitimate coaching and strategy and placement and everything was on purpose it was true coaching and that's something that i don't think we have seen on the sidelines for a very long time here in queens rick patino was intense the whole game he was intense before the game even started he didn't treat this like an exhibition game he didn't treat this like an october basketball game this was serious and he was trying to not only win but he was definitely trying to learn a lot from this team he's got 14 new players two guys came back from last year three came from his iona team and everybody else is brand new he has got to mold this team he has a piece of play-doh right now a piece of clay and he has to shape them and mold them into what he wants to be into what he has built before he has built championship rosters he has built conference winning teams that's what he has to do here and this was kind of that first step against real competition against a Rutgers team that is coached by Steve Peichel that's got some really solid players and that first half everything went right 41-23 they're hitting threes they're not turning the ball over they were a well-oiled machine and you're kind of sitting there and you're thinking all right this is going to be a laugher what's for dinner and boy oh boy that second 20 minutes kicked in And it was night and day. That team that we saw in the first half did not come back out of the locker room in the second half, that is for sure. Before I get into the second half, a few other things that stood out to me in the first half. Glenn Taylor Jr. in the first half was impacting the game, more so with his defense. This was the first time I got to see Glenn Taylor Jr. up close and personal. I was really impressed. And one thing that really stood out to me was actually the way that he moves. He covers a lot of ground, but it looks like he's doing it really effortlessly. I wonder if other people picked up on this who were at the game and something that you could keep in mind for the Pace exhibition and the Stony Brook game coming up on November 7th. He's long, he takes up a lot of space, and he's just really active on the defensive end and on offense. He's able to fill the gaps, and I was really impressed with the style that he was playing, obviously coming over from Oregon State. Not somebody that we 
got to see too much here on the East Coast, but I thought Glenn Taylor in the first 20 minutes was really impressive. Chris Ledlam, somebody I've talked up here before, I think he's got that junkyard dog type of game that you need. Something that St. John's hasn't had in a four-man in a really long time, perhaps not since Anthony Glover. I said this recently, but I think he's got some Draymond Green in his game. He can do a lot on both ends of the floor. He's a good rebounder. He can hit the three, which he showed today. Plays defense. He's only 6'6", only, but he can guard the bigger guys. He's quick enough to guard the bigger guys, and if need be, he can step out and guard somebody that can play the wing. So like I said, the second half, completely different. You see the score at halftime, 41-23, and most of us in the crowd are thinking, all right, well, we got an easy day, pack it in, but the second half went completely wrong. Rutgers opened the half on a 20-9 to run. I don't know if you could chalk this up to fatigue, the lack of three rotation players, not having Dingle, not having Luis, not having Cruz, so you're already a shrunken team, but you're also without two key guards, without Luis, who are projected to be a starter, with Dingle. And the offense really didn't move at all. It was really stagnant. Not a lot of ball movement. One and done on shots. And you're sitting there for the first 12 minutes and you're like, what is going on? This is not the team that I just saw have their way very easily with Rutgers in the first 20 minutes. So I'm sitting there trying to figure out why this is happening because the way that it looked, St. John's basically turtled. They leaned against the ropes and they let Rutgers just jab, jab, jab. And... Ultimately, Rutgers used that methodology and used St. John's lack of ball movement, lack of continuity on offense to get back into the game. And you saw it happen little by little by little, but there was such a lack of resistance by St. John's and it was so different from the first half that it was almost inevitable that Rutgers would come back from a 20-point lead. And that's crazy. You know, as cliche as it sounds, it really was a tale of two halves. 41-23 in the first in favor of St. John's. In the second, Rutgers outscores St. John's 44-26. Rutgers shot over 51% in the second half, while St. John's shot a atrocious 25%. That's how it happens. You know, St. John's shoots 15%, going 2 of 13 from deep. Meanwhile, Rutgers goes 4 of 7 and shoots 57% from deep. That's how you blow a 20-point lead. St. John's does eventually blow the lead. 122 left to go. 67-66. It's Rutgers with the lead on a Derek Simpson layup on a fast break. St. John's calls a timeout. Now, one of the big reasons St. John's was even in this position was missed free throws and missed layups. St. John's missed a ton of them. I'll get into that in a second. But Glenn Taylor finds his way to the free throw line. He goes one of two and ties the game at 67. Rutgers gets the ball back with about 17 seconds. Gavin Griffiths tries a three in the corner, but it is sent out of bounds by Chris Ledlam, a big time block. And then Rutgers is not able to get a shot off. And so we're going into overtime. That's right. An exhibition game for charity is going to extra innings or better known as overtime in these parts. The thought process in the crowd really was, I can't believe we're going into OT after being up by 20 in an exhibition game. There were people that left, and man, did they miss quite the ending. 
It was back and forth in the second OT. Rutgers took a three-point lead with 90 seconds left and then another three-point lead with 24 seconds left before Naheem Aline introduced himself to Johnny Nation. Danis Jenkins threw a cross-court pass to Chris Ledlam, who fired a three with 10 seconds left. Amore couldn't secure the rebound, neither could Derek Simpson, and Naheem Aline found himself with the ball as it made its way all the way back to the three-point line. He double-clutched and shot the three, and it rolled inside the rim and caromed out. Chris Ledlam boxed out Amori like they teach you in seventh grade, just textbook stuff, and he kicks it back out to Nahima Lee, who pump fakes, sending Jamichael Davis flying past him, takes one dribble, sets his feet, and drills the three with 0.01 on the clock, sending Karnas Seca Arena into an absolute frenzy. You would think that was the game-winning shot in the Big East tournament, and no, it's just October 21st. For an exhibition game, this was absolutely wild. Naheem Aline, I said he made his introduction, but you know, this is a guy that was kind of forgotten this offseason. He was the fourth guy Rick Pitino added. He comes off winning a national championship at UConn in a bench roll, and man, did he shine today. Obviously, the three to send it into double overtime is what everyone is going to talk about, but he had 19 points, three rebounds, two steals, one block. He hit four threes, and he had the onions with Bill Raftery in the building watching from the concourse to take a three in that spot more so take it again after missing it tells you a lot about the kid if today was any sign and obviously just an exhibition but man he shouldn't have been forgotten this summer and I think he's going to contribute this year his numbers if you look at him not great because he went six of 17 from the floor and four of 13 from three but hey he hit the shots when it mattered most 19 points is a great stat line he contributed a little bit here a little bit there and i think this was great for his confidence and i think it was great for a lot of st john's fans to say hey we've got a guy that we know can put the ball in the bucket and he was great on defense as well he had an awesome awesome game Naheem Aline major props in the second overtime it seemed like Rutgers was completely deflated that Naheem Aline three that he hit in the first overtime just took their souls Glenn Taylor Jr. had seven points in the second extra period Rutgers went one of eight in the second OT making just a layup and a free throw St. John's outscored them 14 to three in that second five minute span and St. John's ends up getting the 89-78 win. And honestly, I'm so happy they won because I really didn't want to come on here and talk about a St. John's loss in October to Rutgers in an exhibition game because then, man, the hot takes would be flying. Everybody on Twitter would be going nuts. Sky is falling. And, man, thank God we don't got to deal with that. After the game, Coach Patino said about his own team that, they made every intelligent play down the stretch. They did so many great things. It's a little surprising for me that a team that hasn't played together, they executed the best in the second overtime period and they executed the best offensively as well as defensively. Patino said that we learned an awful lot. When you play an exhibition game and get double overtime, it's great because we know we're about 50% of our potential, which is great. And once we get RJ and once we get Jordan, we're going to be much better. Nahima Lean said of the comeback that it showed a lot of character for the team he said that when Rutgers came out on the run the whole team was just saying keep going keep going to everybody in there and he loved that about the team Glenn Taylor said we're gonna bring winning back to St. John's I feel with coach Patino and his up and down play style it's gonna be very fun and exciting to watch 
we're going to win for sure. Now, while St. John's did win, there was some things to worry about. I was a little concerned with Zuby Ejiofor, who's somebody that's been talked up all summer, but he only played six minutes today and he committed three fouls in those six minutes, likely why Coach Rick Patino had him on the bench for a large majority of the second half and the overtime periods. Obviously, you don't like St. John's blowing a 20-point lead and missing free throws is something that you can work on, but you can't be happy with going 19 for 29 from the free throw line. Can't miss 10. That's tough. Three-pointers, they started out good in the first half, but man, St. John's finished at just 26%, going 10 of 38 from behind the arc. And the layups, St. John's missed 14 layups, going 6 of 20 in close range. That is killer. So you pair those layups missed with all of those free throws missed, and you left an absorbent amount of points on the floor. How different would this game be if they were at full strength or even if they just had Jordan Dingle? You had that another guy on the court to handle the rock. Danish Jenkins played 46 minutes in this game. That's insane. So yeah, I'm sure the game would have been different. But listen, St. John's handled adversity. They fought back after blowing a lead. They fought back to send it into not one, but two overtimes. And they did it shorthanded. And you found a way to win. That's huge. That's huge for a team that's trying to learn how to play together. That's huge for Rick Pitino, who, like I said, is trying to mold this team together. I think he saw a lot of character. I think you saw the advantage of an older team, a team that's not going to wilt under pressure, a team that has seen a lot of basketball, that has seen a lot of game situations, end game situations, pressure situations. And I think you really are happy with what you saw to Glenn Taylor today. I think you're really happy to see Nahimaline flourish like that in a very big way. And those are just my takeaways on the surface. St. John's scoring 89 points without Jordan Dingle, the number two scorer in college basketball last year, without RJ Luis, who is a double digit scorer at UMass and without Cruz Davis, who is set to be one of the backup guards for Rick Pitino's offense, I think that was really, really good to see. Quickly, some stats. Naheem Aline, like I mentioned, 19 points, 4 of 13 from 3. Danis Jenkins, 13 points, 9 assists, 2 blocks, and only 4 turnovers in those 46 minutes. Chris Ledlam, 11 points, 10 rebounds, 2 steals, a block, and 4 of 4 from the free throw line. Joel Soriano, Mr. Double-Double, he's back. 12 points, 16 rebounds, 2 blocks. Joel didn't have a great game. I think he was in a really tough matchup with Cliff Amori. They really threw a lot at him. He missed a lot of layups today, and I thought that he was able to fight through that adversity as well. Glenn Taylor, 13 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals. I thought Simeon Wilcher had a nice 3 early on, and... Brady Dunlap had a really nice mid-range jumper early in the first half, but the freshmen look to be a little bit in the deep water. There is a clear learning curve for them to get that extended playing time on the floor. Big shout out to Dresa Traore, who had eight points, five rebounds, and hit a three in 14 minutes. So yes, the bulk of the scoring was done by the guys already mentioned. The bench contributed with 21 points. That was Sadiku Abine Ayu, Simeon Wilcher, Zuby Ejiofor, Sean Conway, Brady Dunlap, and Drisa Traore combining for those 21 points. So when that final horn sounded, it was St. John's fans leaving home happy. Yes, it was an exhibition game, but man, it felt like prime time. It felt like Gus Johnson and Bill Raftery on the call. It felt like Big East Tournament basketball. You know, at tip-off on Friday night, 
Rick Pitino told the fans that throughout his coaching career, every time he took the team to the Final Four, whether it was Providence with Billy Donovan, Kentucky, Louisville, the fans would always yell to him and say that this was the best, most memorable moments of my college life, that I got to be a part of that. And he looked at the crowd and he said, now it's your time. You know, now it's these students' time. Now it's the fans who perhaps are no longer students, somebody like myself who's an alum. I'm so excited and ready for this era of St. John's basketball. I was in the arena on Saturday afternoon going absolutely bonkers for an exhibition game against Rutgers in October. This matters again to a lot of people. There's a lot of St. John's fans that have been waiting for this. There's a lot of St. John's fans that were going crazy with me for an exhibition game in October, and we're so excited to have Rick Patino on the sidelines. But Rick Patino is talking to all the fans. He knows how important it is to get this fan base behind him. And that fan base was a big part of the win this afternoon. The fan base was really loud. There was over 3,000 fans in the arena. But man, in those overtime periods, they helped will St. John's to that victory. The players said it. And I know St. John's and Rick Patino was really happy for those fans being in attendance. And yeah, this is real. We have a chance to be that next group that Rick Patino takes to a higher, higher level. Is he going to take St. John's to the final four? I don't know, but he's done it before. He's done it with Kentucky. He's done it with Louisville and he did it with Providence. Why can't he do it at St. John's? Why not us? That's not a stupid cliche for fans to say anymore because he's got the track record and he did it. But for now, we start with an exhibition win. You start with baby steps, like I said, molding the team. This is the start. So St. John's gets the win, 89-78, and they're back in action next weekend in an exhibition against Pace on October 29th at 3.30, and then it's all systems go for November 7th. As St. John's starts this regular season against Stony Brook, man, it's almost that time. Thank goodness... They survived. Double OT. Naheem Aline, what a game. Glenn Taylor, what a game. Johnny's win. It's good to say that again. Johnny Nation, thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Eye on the Storm podcast. Go Johnny's.